Welcome to Inside Flicks. This is a movie discussion podcast created by three brothers. My name is Mike, like always, but I'm here with my two brothers, Richard and Raymond. And what we do, we like to talk movies. We like to talk television shows. Sometimes we go through a bit of entertainment news. And this podcast offers us a chance to geek out on those type of things. Let's start things off with, um, with some sad news, to be honest, not too surprising news. But it's the news of the closing down of the Pacific and Arclight Theaters in Southern California. This includes the iconic Hollywood landmark, the Cinerama Dome. Uh, of course, this is a direct result of the year-long global pandemic that has damaged almost nearly every brick-and-mortar businesses, not just here in California, but across the, the U.S. And um, what's your thoughts on this this news that you know came out a week ago about how Pacific theaters and the Arclight theaters are closing down. I mean, it's 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 horrible. It, I mean, well, maybe not horrible, but it's sad. It's sad to hear that you know these uh, m- uh, more, more movie theaters are closing. And I mean, I, it must be really sad for you because I know you saw your favorite uh, Michael Bay movie there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I did see. I mean, I I, I did went to one Arclight theater before in L.A. It was for Transformers. <laughs> it was for. It was, I think it was around my birthday and, um, it was a great birthday, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I was hearing the hype about the arc like theaters, how great this was. This was a premium, uh, entertainment establishment. They were giving you the first class, the first rate experience service. And I was wrapped up. I was, I think I was, I think I heard them on the news or something. Mm-hmm. I go, let's, mm-hmm. let me try this out. Let's go. It's my birthday. Let's go watch Transformers. Uh, Rich, you, you went with me. We went to mm-hmm. Arcolite. And I remember thinking, what a horrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we, we, we were satisfied with it. I mean, it was, it was one of the best Transformers uh, uh, movie to date. I mean, that's, no, I, mean I, I didn't like the movie at all when it came out, but it doesn't, that doesn't matter. I mean, I, I, you know, like, like I was a big Transformer fan back in the 80s and 90s. I loved it as a, when I was a child. I, I thought it was going to be a really glorious uh, 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 experience, but, you know, it was a Michael, I did, ha- I did hate Michael Bay and I knew what Michael Bay was going to do. So I kind of knew that was, this was going to be a bombastic type of film, but the theater itself was, was actually pretty good. I mean, I, I, yeah. the, the thing yeah. I, I got out of the, the arc light was the sound. The sound was tremendous. It was this 360 sound that was great. It felt like, you know, especially for a Transformers movie, the first one, you hear the explosions from different sides of the theater. Uh, usually when you go to a movie theater, you hear the, the sound from the that bleeds in. You hear the sound bleeding in from the other theaters. That, that wasn't the case in Arclight. It was like this premium experience. So, yeah, I'm actually kind of, uh, you know, for, you know, look, it's not shocking that this is, you know, the pandemic has damaged the theater business and uh, obviously some theaters are going to be closing. But yeah, it's a, it's it's a sad news, I guess, uh, to hear that the, these are closing, these theaters are closing down. But what's your experience, Rich? Uh, yeah, I remember going because it was it was one of the first uh, premium built uh, theaters, and uh, it, it was it did have a premium price, of course, to go along with it. And uh, we went out to LA and uh, we watched Transformers, and and yeah, sure, it it it. It filled the bill. I mean, it it was it was entertaining all all around. I mean, it was the first time I, I, I the first experience I had with like uh, assigned seating. But you, it would have it would have probably been like a better to have waiting like the next year and seen like the first Iron Man there. Or something oh like sure, yeah, 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 yeah. 
No, but by that time, uh, a lot more uh, Orange County theaters got got uh, improved by then. I mean, that was the That's year true. it started. You know, every every theater got um, uh, you know stadium uh, seating and yeah, um, Adobe sound and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah digital projection, Adobe sound. Uh, Rich, with this news, they're all they're also closing down the Cinerama Dome. Yeah, and you've been to the Cinerama Dome in the nineties, I believe, right? Tell, yeah, tell us I, I about saw, that. I saw. I think the first or one of the first uh, Blade Runner um, officially uh, director's cuts. One of the one of those official director's cuts uh, um, authorized by uh, Ridley Scott. So yeah, um, so that's the one I when I went to go see um, it in the in the dome. Yeah, it was nice. It was really nice. This is probably for me. This is probably the most saddest part of this whole thing because the 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 Cinerama dome. Even even though that I never been there. I do know it as a iconic landmark in Hollywood. Famously, it's been in uh, the Quentin Tarantino movie. Um, most uh, recently, yeah. Most recently in that movie, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And uh, it has been part of that kind of landscape of, of L.A. And it is sought after from a bunch, from a bunch of um, highly regarded filmmakers. And so when I heard that they were closing its doors, I go, oh, well, that's horrible. But... I think I have to believe that someone was going to come up, up, pick up the bill for this or something like that, right? Yeah, I was surprised that um, a that that was the first time we were hearing about all of it. I mean, just to say, oh, you know, doors are closed. Um, I, w- I would would I would think that they would say something earlier, saying like, you know, if things keep going this way, we're going to have to close the doors, and then oh. you know, have something you know to do. But just to come out and just say, you know, that's it, <laughs> you know, you know, lock it weird. up, lock yeah. the doors. Um, yeah, it, well, initially my thoughts was, well, why not Netflix pick it up? You know, why Nef- Netflix buy it up or why not Disney buy it up? And then, then you mentioned the story that I, I forgot about, or actually I never heard that Quentin Tarantino had a, a, um, problem with Disney. Right. Uh, he, he had booked, uh, um, the hateful eight at that theater specifically to run for like two or three weeks in a row or whatever. Um, and uh, Disney over basically overran him the fir- after the first week. And uh, yeah, the hateful eight had like a, this uh, two week uh, special engagement. You know where they have like seventy millimeter presentation, yeah, so- and it was in the Cinerama Dome, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You told me the story, and I looked it up on on YouTube, and there was a clip from Howard Stern, mm-hmm. and uh, where he talks about how how pissed off he was because he had this Quentin Tarantino and his people booked this officially. For two weeks or whatever, how uh, for how many weeks it was going to run during Christmas time, mm-hmm. and Disney kind of pushes pushed their weight in, and because they wanted to uh, release uh, uh, Force Awakens, Star Wars Force Awakens. Oh, that's that's mm-hmm. the one. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember that's the one where um, uh, he had a special print of it uh, released for that, and uh, I think it had even a um, you know special pamphlets uh, given away also, and yeah. also um, um, what's that um, break in the middle called? Oh, you mean like a, a intermission? Yeah, an intermission. Uh, yeah, especially a made intermission for the the theater itself and for that cut. And uh, yeah, that, that that was a specific cut that he was specifically made for that seventy millimeter print. So yeah, it was a special uh, release. And then this is what he. So this is a clip from a Howard Stern show. Let me just play it real quick. I just learned something the other day. It was real bad news, and it really fucking pissed me off. And I think I want to voice it right now. Please. The form is yours. Uh, basically, 
And I'm not talking about the whole country. I'm talking about one theater in particular. You sound nervous about this. Well, it's a big fucking deal. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, so uh, we were going to play at the Cinerama Dome on the 25th. We were going to open there and play there exclusively for two weeks. And Star Wars was going to play the two weeks before us. And I always, I mean... I grew up in Los Angeles, so I think of the Cinerama Dome as a real big deal and imagine seeing it at the Cinerama Dome. Means something to you. Exactly. Right. Disney, who owns Star Wars, decided, well, you know what? Maybe we want to play throughout the entire holiday season. Oh. And not, you know, uh, uh, so we're going to go to the Cinerama Dome and say that they can't honor their contract with us to show the hateful eight. And the Arclight people that own the Cinerama Dome said, no, 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 we, you can't do that. We, we have a deal with uh, the Hateful Eight people. And, and showing it in 70, that's what we do. You know, we, we have the 70 million projectors. Right. They didn't have to move them in. Right. That's the thing. We even start off with the Cinerama logo right. at the beginning. As of yesterday, Disney came to the Arclight people and said, no. Wow. You are going to play Star Wars in the Cinerama Dome for the entire holiday season. And if you don't, if you honor your deal with the Hateful Eight, we will not allow you to have Star Wars, the biggest movie in the world. We will not allow you to show it at any of your arc-like movie theaters. So in your mind, that's petty because they've got a big blockbuster on their hands. They've got the biggest movie in the world. We're talking about one effing theater. They are going out of their way to fuck me. Quentin and (laughs) all. So so when I said uh, that I thought maybe Disney should buy it after hearing that clip, (laughs) I go, well, maybe that's the wrong take. Hopefully it gets picked up by independent financiers who want to show an array of movies, not just a Disney or not just the blockbusters in in this theater, this iconic theater. I, yeah, I remember actually hearing that before. <laughs> I completely forgot about it. Um, maybe Christopher Nolan should buy it. <laughs> that's a pro- that's the thing. I don't know why these filmmakers don't buy this stuff. I think Tarantino owns the theater, right? Yeah, he owns the uh, the or, or pretty much he supports whatever the uh, whatever it was. <laughs> well, he like he did uh, help renovate the new Beverly Theater, I think it was mm. in L.A. Um, so he has a history yes. of restoring some of these theaters. Um, but yeah, um, let's talk about some of the things that because uh, our last episode was all D.C. news. And there was a couple of things that have come out since. And, and first of all, we should mention that Michael Keaton, which we kind of talked about in the last episode, uh, apparently he uh, it has come out that he has been confirmed that he will appear in the upcoming Flash movie. Oh, so it confirms that he's going to be in it. Yeah, I remember that we were talking about. Yeah, there was a possibility that he might sh- not show up, or there was. A- oh, so he already, already cashed a check. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't. Did I don't you, know. Did you see the report? Uh, what what, did, what read, did, did they say? Did you read it? Well, I'm I'm not sure if um it was written by uh, Umberto Gonzalez. I'm not sure if he was speculating, but in in the in the very end of it, he says the movie. He, he talks about the plot of the movie. And he says that, you know, it's based on Flashpoint. It's going to be about Flash going back in time to try to save his mother. And, you know, he ends up creating a new multiverse where uh, super or not Superman, where um, where Batman is or where, where Batman is Michael Keaton's Batman. But uh, I, I always was under the impression that this was just going to be like a quick scene or two. 
he kind of made it sound like it was going that like this is going to be like like this is a major role. This is going to be like the whole the whole movie. Do you think that was just like speculation on his part or I think the new I mean, I think that was speculation. I think the news was that his talent agency just confirmed that he will appear in the in the new Flash movie as Batman. Mm hmm. So I think the, everything else in that article was just him saying and hope, hope you know, uh, 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 wishing, wishful, um, wishful yeah. yeah, wishful thinking. The, the good news is that he will be part of the the film. Yeah, and they, and I think they said that he hasn't actually started filming yet because the movie started production today. But I think um, I think Michael Keaton isn't supposed to return or actually go on set for another couple of weeks or something like that. I um, I think so. Yeah. Okay, so another uh, another uh, uh, DC news, Zack Snyder has revealed the actor that he had cast to play John Stewart, aka Green Lantern, in his recent four-hour director's cut of Justice League. Now, the rumor was um, the guy from uh, Moonlight. Who was that uh, actor, Raymond? Um, Trevante Rhodes. Trevante Rhodes. He was. That was the rumor was going around. Uh, we talked about this in the last episode where Snyder had this big fight with the, the WB executives about putting this uh, uh, John Stewart in this this kind of quick cameo at the end, which turned out to tr become uh, Martian Manhunter. Martian Manhunter, yes. And uh, so he revealed the actor, and he casts Wayne T. Carr, which is this newcomer. He has appeared in a in an episode of the TV series SWAT. This would have been a a, a big. Uh... A, a big deal for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th this does does feel like this was another kind of Snyder discovery. It's a apparently they did uh, film the scene. Oh, what's that sucks. Uh, Snyder said that they shot it in, in his in his garage, <laughs> and he did. But of he course. did he did say, he did tell the guy that most likely this is not going to make the cut. You know, mm -hmm. this is just wishful thinking. Yeah, he just he was just hoping for the best, and and obviously he had this uh, fight with DC, but then. It turned out to be the 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 scene turned into uh, the Marshall the Martian Manhunter uh, uh, scene at the end of the movie, which kind of made more sense for the for the actual film. Yeah, it just made more sense. And I get you were saying that the DC and Mar uh, WB was already producing or developing a Green Lantern series. Maybe that was the the reason why they were so against it. Yeah, they didn't want to confuse anybody uh, with the uh, cast, uh, any casting to the Green Yeah, Lantern. but now that they're embracing the multiverse, it's like kind of who cares, right? Just do it. They they probably just didn't want any um, um, known uh, characters, so they don't they don't care about you know smaller characters that um, they'll never develop a, a picture for. But Green Lantern is too big of a character to uh, to to do a cameo. Well, I mean, hopefully this actor gets a you know opportunity to maybe. A uh, you know, audition for the Green Lantern series, play the play the role there. So yeah, I mean, hopefully those help his career. Um, another bit of news that came out recently is the George Miller has started his uh, production on the new Mad Max Fury Rosso. Oh, it started production. They they just announced it that uh uh they're they're shooting in um Australia, right? Yes, it's Australia, but it's uh it's um. What part of Australia? I read that it's going to be like the biggest production in like Australia's history. Yes, it's going to be filmed in New South Wales, it's, and it's going to be the largest film ever to be filmed in Australia. They were they had a press conference recently. Oh, and uh, George Miller did mention a little bit of what you could expect, and let me just play a real quick clip of it. Um, 
And I, I should mention that this is Feroz, uh, the prequel to, uh, with Anya Taylor, Anya Taylor Joy filling in for Charlie's, right? Yes, and it's uh, and and Chris Hemsworth is also in the movie, and Yaya Abdul Mateen is going to be also going to co-star in this movie. And well, here, here, here's what George Miller says. I didn't set out to make a big epic movie. It's a story I wanted to tell, but as it turns out, it's just got a lot of there different scenes. I mean, the one thing I can say about it, the, the, the Fury Road happened over three days. I mean, with screen, within the film, happened over three days and two nights. Uh, this, is, this is a saga, happens over many years. So there's a lot of different elements to it. Uh, but that's all, all I should say. <laughs> so, the, so basically he's saying that this new movie is going to be a, kind of like a saga, like he was saying. It's going to be an epic movie that's going to take place over many years. And I guess we're, we're going to see kind of the maybe a, the really young years of Furiosa. Probably maybe we learn about how she lost her arm or something like that or something. What's, your, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I'm expecting that. Um, I, I read somewhere that this is gonna uh, this is supposed to span decades, yeah, right? Uh, so um, I, I'm curious if like maybe Charlize Theron will also be in this movie. I hope so. I mean, I, I know that she was kind of um, pissed. Donna was maybe pissed off as maybe too, but she was kind of let down. Yeah, disappointed. <laughs> yeah, disappointed about not uh, not being at the center of this piece because I think she really has a strong relationship with this character. I mean, she obviously created this character with, well, with, with if George. She, if she is in it, I hope it's not a bookend. Mm. You know what I mean? I hope it's like uh, like she has a substantial role, at least like a scene or two, or maybe not two scenes, but like at least a big scene like in the end or something like that. Uh, I, I, I just, I'm not a big fan of the whole bookends. <laughs> <laughs> and what's your thoughts of Chris Hemsworth? For, I mean, what, what, what he's going to be oh, playing? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's cool. I mean, just his presence in in a, in a uh, movie that I'm assuming is going to be, you know, uh, in this like kind of a kind of apocalyptic uh, wasteland. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I mean, it should be taking place in this and still in the wasteland time, right? Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, it has to be. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe during the right at the like. Yeah. Do you think part of it's going to be like still in like in in the edge of like when things were still normal, like that when could... the first Mad Max took place? Maybe we'll see it go through like. The first Mad Max and Road Warrior, and kind of how that all developed over time. Yeah, that would be awesome, actually. You know, that you mentioned that, that would be really cool because Fury Rosa is not that much older than Mad Max, right? They're almost the same generation. I have no clue. <laughs> so it, it gets so confusing because they recast him. You yeah. know, it was, Mel, it was Mel Gibson and then it's Tom Hardy. Because like, the, the first. How much time went by? <laughs> How much time went by since Mad Max and Road Warrior? Do, do they have dates? I don't know. I mean, I know I know Richard's seen them a bunch. Yeah. Did, did, does Road Warrior start off with a date in the beginning? Oh, an actual date? I don't know. But there was it was still, I mean, there were still buildings <laughs> in the first one. I mean, uh, Mad Max. So. Um, oh, yeah. And Mad Max basically takes place in, 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 the, in the edge of everything. Yeah. And the, 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 uh, the beginning of the end, whatever, or not, not actually the beginning, the end of the, the end of the end yeah, of the yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the first, the first 
movie and the second movie, Road Warrior, it's all about the the gas uh, uh, shortage, right? It, at the time, yeah. there was this fear. The, the fear in, in the 70s and 80s was this: the, there's going to be this huge gas shortage, and it's going to take the whole world into a decline economically and all that. So it really fixed on that. Where Fury Road was about the water shortage, which is a real thing that people are talking about now. So I wonder what they're going to do with this movie because they actually – George Miller is actually very smart when it comes to these pro- apocalyptic ideas. It's, it is based on some kind of truth where there is this fear. You know, At the time, it was a fear of the gas shortage. Now, it's the fear of water shortage. Uh, maybe it's like uh, climate change or something like that. I don't know. I mean uh, – uh, but what you mentioned about how this could be said maybe right before the apocalypse takes place, that would be awesome. And we see through her eyes the, the decline of, of the world, of the Western world. And it would also just really be really cool to see George Miller recreate all of that stuff from um, from the first Mad Max and from Road Warrior, but, you know, with, with today's budget, with the with the with the Fury Road budget. Yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool to go back to that that time period in this franchise but yeah he's going to start shooting soon and it's going to be in south new south wales which is a big deal for the australia um film industry in this press conference they were talking about how good australian has has been with covid they have Oh yeah. yeah. So, and I think this is actually this might mark the a new rise in the Australian film market or film industry of production. So you might see a lot of movies. Yeah, Mo- Chris Hemsworth is not going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna see a lot of movies going to Australia. The uh, big budget movies, big budget. Yeah, the, yeah. all the anything over two hundred million is going to be New Zealand or or Australia. Yeah. So That's um, interesting. yeah. Anything over 200 is going to be in Australia, and anything under 50 million is going to be in uh, Zack Snyder's garage. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get into the things we watched this past week. Actually, there's there's a couple things that I've seen a couple weeks ago uh, that we should just really quickly mention. First, let's talk about Concrete Cowboy. It's a Netflix original film. Rich, did you see You didn't see this movie, right? No, I didn't get a chance to see it. Ray- Raymond, you didn't see this, so, too. No, I skipped it. All right. So this is a, a movie that stars Idris Elba and Stranger Things actor Caleb McLaughlin. And it's a it's a kind of based on a real uh, community in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's called the Fletcher Street Urban Writing Club. And it's an urban African-American horse riding uh, club, you know, um, and so the first first hour of this movie, I go, wow, this is really interesting. This is really one of the better movies I've seen this year. And then the second part of the movie, I go, okay, okay. It, it gets it gets into the t- typical tropes of a, of an inner city drama. And so it's it's a it's a it's a better than usual. It's a better than average movie that I, I enjoyed. It's a good it's a good movie. I think people should watch it. It's on Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this director Ricky Staub, who I think this is his feature film debut, he actually does a really good job at some of the things. The script though needs a little work. It's it really beat for beat. It's like uh, a boys in the hood. You know, the the kid he has a he is sent to live with his father. His estranged father. His mother couldn't deal with him because his anger issues and he's sent to live with his father. He doesn't have a great relationship with him and he gets mixed up in this, this life here in Philadelphia 
and it's you know it also goes into the the street like like Go- boys in the hood it, it goes into like the street life it didn't really is that need... more the second half of the movie or the first yeah half? the second half was really goes into that street life like the gang life and it doesn't really mm. need that i really was interested in this kind of urban cowboy uh community that i i never seen in any films never i never even knew that this existed it, uh Members of this this uh, Fletcher Street club uh, are appear in the movie. They they playing characters in the movie, and they're great. You wouldn't even know that there were um, uh, non professional actors. The first half of the movie kind of like a like a Terrence Malick movie in, in ways, like a classic Terrence Malick, but not like a not like a new Terrence Malick, like the, back when he was good. No, I would say it's more like a Creed. It's more like a um, oh okay. What was the first movie he did? Um, Fruitvale Station. More like a Fruitvale Station is like a slice of life. Okay. We get into the into the community. We get to know the characters. We get to know this. And what's so great about this 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 community is because we I have never seen this community ever portrayed in the film. Didn't know it existed. And the fact that we see it, uh, and we get to uh, get uh, to know these these characters living in this this community, that was that what made the movie interesting for me. Uh, but uh, then it goes into this kind of like typical like inner city gang life stereotypes, not stereotypes, but stru- uh, typical tropes. And I, that's when it got a little boring. And um, but so overall, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a strong debut by Caleb McLaughlin. Really good actor. Um, but yeah, it was an impressive um, performance by him. He's growing up to be a really good actor. The character that he's playing is not so well developed. I would love to see him have a little more dimension to the character. Idris Elba is really good, but again, no really big dimension to his character. But this whole community is the be- the best thing about the movie. So I would I would recommend uh, uh, Concrete Cowboy. It's on Netflix right now. It's a, a very decent film. Uh, all, unfortunately, it does follow some of the, the inner city tropes that we all know, and we see we see the ending coming. Another movie that we could recommend is Spontaneous, which is a movie that's now streaming on Amazon Prime and Hulu. And it's a film that stars Catherine Langford and Charlie Plummer. And it's basically a um, comedy film, right? It's a, d- a very dark comedy. Would yeah, you say, Rich? But, yeah, it, 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 it like belongs in a Netflix, but it's not. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's a very teen, uh, teen movie, but good. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it was surprisingly good. Yeah. It's set in the, in this kind of uh, a phenomenon where high school students in this one school, the seniors spontaneously explode. That's the set. That's a setup. Yeah. So we follow Catherine Langford's uh, character, and she is trying to survive this scene, this crazy senior year where the, her fellow classmates' heads explode. <laughs> it's just this well, weird yeah. spontaneous combustion. Yeah, it's it, but it's all bloody. It's very bloody, and, and mm-hmm. it's, it's very much a and I I, I, I take it as it's very much a, a parable to school shootings, right? Sure, I mean you, you never know what when it's going to happen, and yeah, spontaneous, yeah. And so this is this phenomenon that that happens in this one kid's school year, and she's trying to survive it, and it, it, during this time, uh, she is quarantined. She is you know tested on with her class and she also falls in love with a with this boy this nerdy boy played by charlie Plummer, who is very good he's from um what's that uh movie um oh all the money in the world yeah so he yeah he played in uh, the wrigley scott's all the money in the world he played the the kidnapped kid in that movie oh i remember <laughs> i forgot about that movie <laughs> yeah but he was in your your favorite miniseries right looking for alaska 
Looking for Alaska in Hulu also, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, which I enjoyed also. But it's a very dark comedy. I thought it was very good. The, this filmmaker, writer, writer-director Brian Delfield, I guess he's best known as the screenwriter of the horror film The Babysitters. He also wrote Underwater, which is this cult sci-fi oh, film. That, that's got some good reviews in out there. And also uh, Love and Monsters. I mean, that was a great film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this is his featured directorial debut, I believe. And he does. He directs this in real, with really great uh, enthusiasm. I, I kind of love his quirky attitude to this movie. It's look, I, normally I don't like high school teen roms, teen rom-coms or whatever. Yeah. But he, he puts enough black <laughs> comedy in this that that, uh, that I really enjoyed. This is a really kind of great, clever, satirical film. And I, I enjoyed it. And what's, what's your thoughts, Rich? Yeah, um, it's it's it was surprisingly good. I mean, I uh, I I too hate most teen films, and um, uh, this had like a I don't know, it had it had like a, a a zombie movie feel to it without with no zombies. <laughs> it was just dark. I mean, it's um, but it had humor that I enjoyed. I mean, it was just it's kind of end of a world um, comedy, but. Um, it, it, it's just the end of a class <laughs> of a senior senior class. Yeah, school season. Yeah, school yeah school year. So I really I, I would recommend it. This is playing on Amazon Prime if you got that or Hulu. So sure. Another film that's available on Hulu is Another Round. Uh, this is a kind of an, um, an Oscar nominated film. I mean, uh, the director Thomas Winterberg, he is uh, nominated for for best director this year. This is a Danish film with Madden Mikkelsen. And um, Rich, what's your thoughts about this? This kind of uh, critics have been liking this movie a lot. I went into this movie uh, not knowing anything, but it starred Mads Mikkelsen. So uh, Mads Mikkelsen is one of four friends and teachers who agree to kind of binge drink uh, for a period of time because they believe that it might help them help them with their issues with um, because basically it's a midlife crisis drama. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts? Uh, this is this is one of my best films in, uh, of the really year. Uh, yeah it is it, it and it really is um, it had that feel that I um, really enjoy but um, I, I didn't expect uh, I think Thomas Vindberg the the, the director director yeah yeah um, I think he deserves his nominations wow and um, and Mad Mickelson does you know great performance by Mad Mads Nicholson. It, yeah, tremendous and, performance. Yeah, and uh, he deserves uh, being um, casted in uh, <laughs> in Indiana Jones. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, Raymond, do you see another round? No, but I mean, I guess I should check it out now. Yeah, I'm actually shocked that this so this would make this would make. Yeah, because I went into this film not knowing anything about it other than Mads Mikkelsen being in it mm-hmm. and that he's uh, a town drunk, and it turns <laughs> turns out to be. Uh, a little bit of that and a whole lot more and it's just um i i really enjoyed it it had, it had sort of a feel to me like um oh it was just uh, it was a little bit of you know of energy of um um the full the full monty the full monty oh yeah but, uh, there's oh. comedy in this movie yeah there is comedy there's there's light moments in this you know, not not full money, but you know, it, it just—I I really didn't expect it. it it's it's got great it's a, comedy, and it's and it's and it's. You mean the? Full, I think you're saying full Monty because of the uh, the camaraderie of the these men. Yes, and yeah. 
And, the, and, and it's also like uh, what I liked about the movie, and I, I do like the movie, but I don't think it, I wouldn't say this is my favorite movie of the year. I do like it a lot. Um, and yeah, it's not my favorite, but it's one of them. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I think it really does a great uh, take on the midlife crisis drama. Mm hmm. And it does a kind of reinvent that whole genre and gives a new spin on it. And Man Nicholson, who's normally plays a villain in these Hollywood movies, but here he's back in in his native country in, uh, in this Danish film, and he's playing just a normal guy. He's playing a normal teacher. He's not a villain. He doesn't, he doesn't have blood coming down from his eye. Yeah. <laughs> he's not like a Bond villain. Uh, he's just playing a really good, a guy who loves his wife, wants to spend more time with his wife, and he, he is frustrated that he can't because of work dealings, and he turns to alcohol to kind of uh, suppress his feelings and his and, and and so I think it's a little bit of a like a like a pro casual drinking, mm -hmm. don't you think so? Or did you get that sense? Yeah, but it's a different. It's Denmark. <laughs> you know, that's it. That's the thing. And so, I the, the interesting thing about this movie, though, that I heard after watching it. So I, I really got to watch it again because I heard Thomas Winterberg's story here that it's not. It's not. It's definitely not a pro drinking movie. It's really kind of a, a more a life affirming film. And the story here is that he wrote this script with his partner, his uh, screenwriting partner. And it's because I guess apparently in Denmark, there is a big drinking culture there, especially when it comes to binge drinking in, at youths. And so he took the script and he, he let his uh, teenage daughter read it and she loved it. She goes, yes, you have to do this, dad. You, this is perfect. This is this, this talks about the issues that's going on in, in Denmark. So he films this this movie in her high school. Oh, and, and many of her classmates appears in this movie. Four days before the movie starts to shoot, he's, he's about to shoot it. His daughter is killed in a drunk driving accident. And so the screenwriter has to take over for the first couple of weeks. And he comes back, takes over the directing chores. And it becomes this mission now that he wants to finish for his daughter. He dedicates the movie to his daughter. Wow. So I got to rewatch this movie again and really understand it. I think it's a... a with that context, I want to check it out again. I think it is more of a, it's a more sadder movie. I think it is. It's, it is about li life affirming. Uh, so I yeah. So it's now available on Hulu. Uh, it's Oscar nominated for best foreign film or best international film, and uh, Thomas Winterberg is also nominated for best director. So we definitely recommend that film. And so um, what else? Um, and next, Thunder Force. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Rich, you want to say something else? Oh, the the movie that I mentioned before uh, on another episode, uh, the sci-fi film, uh, Synchronic, with um, one of the uh, Falcon himself, uh, Anthony Mackie, and uh, um, that other Brit. James, uh, Jamie, Jamie. Jamie Dornan? Jamie Dornan? Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the film is now filming, uh, streaming free on Netflix. So you, you recommend that? Yes, I do. All right, so let's get something that we won't recommend. <laughs> it's Thunder Force. <laughs> this is the new comedy with um, uh, Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spencer. She is, again, reteaming with her husband, Ben Fanconi. He writes and directs this. This is a superhero take or a superhero spin on a comedy's action film. 
Uh, McCarthy and Spencer's are basically they play superheroes who take on these supervillains to save the city. It's a little bit, uh, I don't know. It's a little bit what? What would you say? It's a little bit. Well, I didn't. Well, I didn't see this movie, but when I saw the trailer for it, I you know I I really hoped that you know it wouldn't be uh, another bad movie from this from the from this duo from uh, Melissa McCarthy and her husband. But um, I was hoping that this movie would be kind of like Mystery Men. With um, no, the, it, does it pull that <laughs> yeah. off at all? No, like, this is more like uh, that Ivan Reitman '90s super my super ex girlfriend. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I never saw that one. It's this actually feels like a, a soup like a superhero comedy that w- would come out in the '90s. You know, something that Ivan Reitman would have directed. I mean, maybe th- that's a low blow or something, but I mean, it does feel like a very old but school. I, I, Ivan Reitman, like you mean like Ghost. Spusters Ivan Reitman or like uh, 90s junior Ivan Reitman no late 90s Ivan Reitman when he couldn't do anything I like I like evolution (laughs) I like evolution too too. Uh, but uh, there's a period where he was doing a a series of bad movies but yeah I mean look it's not it's not it's a it's aggressively mediocre it's doesn't go beyond mediocre and it doesn't really fall to like embarrassing although maybe maybe one couple scenes here and there but uh, it's but well, let me get let me throw it to Rich. What, what, what's your what's your take on Thunder Force? Yeah, it's a shithole. I mean, it's a shit. <laughs> it's it's a shit fest, but still, it's 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 one of those. Um, uh, if you're a fan of if you're a true fan of Melissa McCarthy, then it, it you you've seen worse. Yeah, I, I've seen worse. <laughs> I mean, surprisingly, Melissa McCarthy is very agile in this role. I mean, she is playing someone who punches things. She throws a bus at one point. She can move. She could, you know, she's surprisingly very athletic. Uh, Octavia Spencer, on the other hand, is not, and she is, she feels like she's so out of place in this film. I, you know, when I heard that Melissa McCarthy is teaming up with Octavia Spencer, I go, "That's fantastic! That's a great team up." But they are, they don't have chemistry together in this film. Oh, and that and, sucks. and and Octavia Spencer and uh, uh, apparently they're best friends and or at least friends in real life, but just they, they don't gel together. Or at least that's my take. Octavia Spencer is playing. You know, she's usually the. The outgoing one. Yeah, she's usually yeah very physical in her her uh, performance. Where now she's here, she's playing the straight woman. You know, she has to play off of Melissa oh, McCarthy, not, and she just doesn't right. feel comfortable in this role. And I, I just would like to see her them just having a good time. And I just there's like maybe one scene with her, their grandmother where they I see that like they're having a really good time. Most of the time, they're just like kind of they don't. Well, go I'm together. sure they they told her to be like read. Uh, I mean, well, uh, well, she's, um, she's playing a scientist, so she's yeah, she's, she's doing she's, that thing where she's like not very you know Reed she, Richards kind of thing like a, yeah. And how how would you compare this movie to um to Paul Feig's Ghostbusters? Never saw it. I never finished seeing Ghostbusters, but uh, I, I it's I I would say that Thunder Force is better than Ghostbusters because I had to turn off Ghostbusters because <laughs> it was so horrible. In in this film, I was able to watch it from beginning to end with no problem. It's not a bad, horrible movie. It's just that it's not ter- terribly funny. It's not inventive in any way. It's and it, this type of movie really needs. It's two- kind of like a children's film. 
Yeah, and it, it really, you know, like I said, it really feels like a '90s throwback superhero comedy, and this really needs that. But like, what? But what? What? What's your examples of that? Like, like Steel with Shaquille O'Neal? Uh-huh. No, 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 no. Or no. like, um, what's like? Well, because um, I keep the, all I think of is like Mystery Men. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. No, like, uh, what's uh, the, like I said, uh, my super ex girlfriend. That's like early two thousands, but but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, that 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 movie else? definitely came to mind. Like, when was I, just that one. There was a, wasn't there more films like that? Or I feel like Hancock. Movie, I was see, Hancock Will Smith. I, I didn't see Hancock. No, Hancock was a lot more entertaining than that shit. Yeah, but, yeah, Hancock was watchable. Had good yeah. action at least, and Will Smith was fun in the role. Yeah, uh, this is yeah, this is definitely like a, in the in the vein of well, I, Adam Sandler. Well, or I guess those that's type not really movies. saying anything anything new because that's what all of Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone's movies are, right? They're all like Adam Sandler movies. Yes, but Adam Sandler. I've, there I've you seen, go. I've seen a couple of their films. Um, I, I've seen um, or I've tried to see a couple <laughs> of their films. <laughs> I, I saw their first movie, Tammy, at least the first hour of it, and then like I, I just I just had to stop. I couldn't I couldn't continue. I, I rented that one. I couldn't finish it. And then uh, their their second film together was um, the Boss. Was I think it was the Boss? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what yeah, it's called. Yeah. I saw maybe twenty minutes of that, <laughs> and I I could not get through it. It was on one of the um, like HBO or Stars, and I had those channels at the time, so. I put it on. I, I I couldn't get past like twenty or twenty five minutes of it. It was it was awful. It was even worse than Tammy. <laughs> and then um, I I didn't see Life of the Party. Well, you saw it though, right, Mike? I saw Life of the Party, and it, it, I thought Life of the Party had and you re- and you liked it more than uh, um, Back to School. Back, Back to, to School. <laughs> oh, because it was a re- kind of like a loose remake of Back to School. No, no, no. Back to School was a much better film. No, no but there, I would say that there is a there was much funnier parts in Life of the Party. Oh, that sucks, right? The, that movie was funnier than this. I think there's certain moments in Life of the Party was hilarious. This movie doesn't have any really kind of funny moments at all. It's just like a mediocre kind of hum. There's a hum to this where it doesn't go doesn't go beyond beyond you know, a certain level and it doesn't drop off at all. I mean, I think he, Ben Facone is very consistent with his, uh, his, his level of directing here. He doesn't go, he doesn't go beyond a certain point, you know, and it doesn't drop off. It kind of D minus or D plus. This is like a D plus all the way through the movie. There's a all hum- right. So, well, let me, let me ask you this. Cause I, I, I did see the, another, uh, one of Ben Falcone and Melissa, Melissa's movies. I saw, um, Super Intelligence on HBO Max mm. a few months ago, actually. Yeah, and um, the, the, that movie was, you know, it's not a good movie, but um, once you got past a certain point, that movie essentially became like a romantic comedy between Melissa McCarthy and Bobby Cannavale. And I thought uh, they had great chemistry together, and I thought they were enjoyable together. <laughs> How was Bobby Cannavale in this movie? Uh, he, he's not, he's, I don't know, he's f- totally forgettable. I mean, it's a, he's playing a mm. pro- politician, and he's a little bit like Trump, I guess. Like, I turn, you know, he's very much like a, a, a egomaniac kind of politician. It's very Just, weird that every time they wanted to pick Trump, they're casting Latino actors. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, he's not Latino, right? He's. No. But, uh, I think he's uh, half, they're casting I like think, um. I think he's dark, ha- dark skinned um actors. I mean, that's I, very I, weird. I think he's half Italian and half Puerto Rican, if I believe. But uh, whatever oh. the case, I, whatever the case, um, 
at a certain point he goes off and really becomes animated and he becomes like a like a cartoon character of Al Pacino in this movie. He goes <laughs> it really goes uh, overboard. How about Jason Bateman? I would people have credited his performance as like the best thing about the movie. I wouldn't say that. I mean, just Jason J, Jason Bateman does his thing where he's kind of like this sardonic uh um uh, you know, comedic. You know, he's like probably is the funniest part of the movie. He is playing a crab. Okay. He's a he's a villain, but he's not he also a like villain. a character from. He looked like a character from Mystery Men. Like, oh, would you, could, you, could, you, could <laughs> okay. you fit in right there? <laughs> I would love to see more Mystery Men in this movie. If that's, uh, if, yeah, I would love to see more of that. But, uh, but there's a certain point in where Jason Bateman's character kind of has this thing with Melissa McCarthy. And I go, oh, maybe that's part of his powers. Like he he seduces his people, or he seduces the the women in his life, or something like that. No, this is in in, in Melissa McCarthy's character's mind. And I go, that is so strange. And I you know, and I I I think <laughs> I think Ben Facone is doing a spoof on the Shape of Water here. And there's a whole sequence where there's a musical montage. I go, that's a Ben Facone doing a spoof on just Shape of Water. And I think it's so stupid. And it's, I don't know, it's it's dumb. Maybe it would work better if this was a whole spoof. But uh, as it's, this is a kind of a, a a B plus movie for me. All right. How B about, plus? How, how is? Yeah. What would what would you give this, Rich? You said a B plus? No. Oh, did I say B? No, D D plus D plus. Oh, okay. All right. A D <laughs> a B plus. No. Yeah. I'm clamped enough in this. Uh, she's the villain. She's or she's like a villain sidekick. She's just you know one of those uh, throwaway characters. She's she's. Did she have superpowers? Yeah. I, you know what? I don't even know what she what her powers is. To uh, I saw I I saw the movie. I don't even know. But what would you give this, Rich? If- yeah, I'd give it a D. D, yeah. This is like uh, Batman and Robin without the budget. Mm. No, I, I wouldn't. So no. it's a masterpiece. I, I, so you say. So you're saying this is a D, and I say this is a D plus. Both I won't. Uh, both of us won't recommend this. But if you need something to throw in the background while you cook something in the kitchen, or while you're f- folding clothes, or while you need a vacuum during the, your living room, and you need something on the TV, this is the perfect movie for it. That's probably the reason why it was made. Uh, this feels very much in that vein of San- Adam Sandler films, kind of uh, these kind of harmless comedies that don't really invent anything new or doesn't even try to. Uh, uh, inventive um, and that belong on Netflix yeah this would have worked I would have really enjoyed this if uh, Octavia Spencer and Melissa McCarthy had better um, chemistry chemistry and they just don't I just I don't know why it just doesn't work hmm. but uh, yeah so uh, I think that was it that's our recommendations and what not to watch and what to watch and uh, that concludes this episode we'll be back with a new episode very soon Rich if people want to hear our past episodes, where can they go? Uh, they can find all our links on InsideFlix.com or just ask Apple iTunes or Google Podcasts. All right. Uh, thank you for listening to Inside Flix. All right. Bye-bye.